I made this business so that I could do all of these things. And it used to be that I was extremely business focused. I would stay up all night and I would never go climbing and it wrecked me. In fact, it made me have two shoulder surgeries because I was hunched over a computer for so long. And so I think that at that point I was like, I can't make this my whole life. You're listening to Neely Quinn, our guest on today's episode. Neely is an amazing entrepreneur and the brains behind trainingbeta.com, a membership site and community that provides its members with a rich library of resources related to rock climbing and bouldering. Neely has been a member mouse customer for many years, and it has been a privilege to watch her grow and evolve her business over time. In case you're wondering, Member Mouse is a business I started over 10 years ago. We're a membership and subscription platform for WordPress and help entrepreneurs like you to build powerful and profitable online recurring revenue businesses. Check us out at membermouse.com. Last time Neely and I spoke was about a year ago, and it was great to have her back on the show and hear what she's been up to in her life and business since then. In our conversation, we cover the challenges we face at different stages of business growth, finding and claiming the freedom we actually set out to achieve, understanding the difference between product and membership sales, and getting comfortable with promoting yourself. Something I really appreciate about Neely is her realness and willingness to share the good and the bad about entrepreneurship. You won't find any rah-rah hype in this episode, just a conversation between two travelers along the entrepreneurial path. I hope you enjoy and benefit from our discussion. As always, I'm your host, Eric Turnison, and this is episode 126 of the Subscription Entrepreneur Podcast. Welcome back to the show, Neely. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Of course. So we last spoke in September of 2018. I imagine you've been climbing a lot of walls since then. (laughs) September, yes. I have been climbing quite a bit since then and really, really loving it and really appreciating the fact that I can do that given my job situation. Sure. And have you been traveling for that? Yeah, we went to Spain uh, for a month to climb. We went to the Red River Gorge in Kentucky last October, November. And then I've been climbing a lot around Boulder, actually, and it's been really fun. What are the things that are the deciding points on where you're going to go? Is it that I want to do a wall of this certain skill level and this is where it is, so I'm going to go there? What are the factors that you use to determine where you're going to travel? Well, all of the areas that we go to have like a lot of different walls. So most of the time I'm not climbing anything that's higher than like 120 feet. Mm -hmm. And well, all of the time, I, I almost never climb higher than that. And So it's more about like, does this area have enough climbs that are at my ability that I want to do and who's going to be there and what are the lodging situation and how hard is it to travel there? But basically when we went to Spain, it was just because one of our best friends was like, hey, you want to go to Spain? And we were like, okay. (laughs) So (laughs) So sometimes it's a little whimsical. So it's basically the same way that I would determine what theme park to go to. Like, what are the rides? Like, how many rides can I go on? Like, I'm not interested in that teacup ride, you know? Like, so that's, you yeah. know, you know that that's kind a of really thing. great, yeah, metaphor or analogy. <laughs> and, you know, rock climbing has gotten on my radar just in other ways because, and I don't know if these are recent, but they've come to me, you know, the Dawn Wall and Free Solo, these documentaries that came out following people doing crazy stuff. When, 
movies like that come out with the focus on rock climbing, do you see any spike in people coming to your site or on your social network? No, we have, but I haven't really paid attention to that. It's possible that that is mm-hmm. happening. That's a good question. Well, we'll just leave it unanswered. Or, yeah. You know. <laughs> That's a great question. You know, you sound a lot like me at various stages of my business. Like people ask me, so a lot of times it's my dad, you know, like, so how's everything going in the business? I'm like, it's good. Right. It's yeah. You know, he's like, okay, well, what about your numbers? And I'm like, yeah, I think they're fine. I <laughs> think <laughs> you're okay. You're they're good enough. Good. And this is an interesting component, I think, about, you know, starting a business in a certain way. It's like, I know that there are certain people who who are very much on top of all that stuff. But I think one thing that you and I have in common is it's a lifestyle business, right? It's like, these things have to do with our passion, but our focus isn't 100% on like getting to the top of that business wall where you're hitting these major goals and doing all this stuff. It's like, no, like make sure everybody in the community is happy, produce content that I'm really interested in that I think can help people and make sure there are processes in place that automate the business so that I can continue to explore things in my life that I'm interested in and then feed back into the business. Right. Yeah, exactly. Sometimes I'm like, well, does he really want to talk to me on this interview? Because that's true. I mean, I made this business so that I could do all these things. And it used to be that I was extremely business focused and driven and motivated. And I would stay up all night and I would never go climbing. And it wrecked me. In fact, it made me have two shoulder surgeries because I was hunched over a computer for so long. And so I think that at that point I was like, I can't make this my whole life. I have to wait. That was just because of working at the computer or was because you were working at the computer and trying to push yourself climbing. Honestly, I was fine climbing. I was fine. And then I had this heinous work thing, this big project. And I spent like a hundred hours a week hunched over my computer for three weeks to a month. And the day after it was done, I tried to go climbing and both of my shoulders were just wrecked. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's tough. But you know, it is about the balance. We have to build something that can be that engine, but then pull it back. Actually, I I did a podcast recording uh, yesterday with my brother and he has a business as well in fashion. And we basically talked about a similar arc where it's like, he's creative and it's passion. It's a passion business. But then for all of us, the businesses with success, the business gets to a place where the business starts driving the show a little bit. And we, each of us have stories where we end up in this situation where you're working hundred hours a week and he's doing this and I'm doing that. And then you kind of have to wake up one day and be like, wait a second, this isn't why I got into this. Mm-hmm. So I think this is an interesting thing to talk about and dive into, like finding that balance because you can't just like have a pet and not put food out for it, right? right. You, you still, you know, you have to know where that line is. So I imagine given that you're traveling, there are things that you do on the road to check in on the business, right? Like you're not just like completely off the grid. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, no. And that's the cool thing about it is that sometimes I take true vacations where I just don't work at all. 
but it's pretty easy for me to in Spain, you know, after a day of climbing, come home, check on everything, do my emails. And I would even see nutrition clients from there that I got through my website mm-hmm. and then I'm still managing people. I'm still doing all the things. And that's very important to me that I can always be available and able to handle things. And I know for me, one of the critical components, because I tried to do this prematurely at one point, like I got burned out in my business at a point and I basically went on a trip to Mexico and I completely checked out. And the way that I kind of told myself to do that, I was, I put somebody in a position in a role to cover all the things that I was doing, but I didn't really appropriately train them. So when I got back, I was like, okay, that didn't really work out that well, but I got some time away. But what I did realize is like, okay, I need to start replacing myself. This is the only way, like all the things that I'm doing I'm responsible for, I need to find people, hire people who can take those over and basically become more of an overseer of what people are doing, check in with them and provide guidance. Is that something that has been similar in your business as well? Yeah, for sure. I was doing everything myself. And I I just want to reflect that I wonder if when you got super burnt out, it was in the beginning. And I remember I was emailing you all the time and being like, I don't understand this. And how do I do this? And you were answering all my emails. I was like, how is Eric answering all my emails? That's incredible. But for sure, like for the first year or so, I was doing everything myself. And then I went to this mastermind clinic with a bunch of people who I really respect. And they were like, Neely, no, you need to get somebody to do your social media and all of your content and all these things and all of the support emails so that I'm freed up to do all the other things. And that's exactly what I did. And it like completely changed my life. Yeah. See, now we're talking, right? Because at the beginning of this, you were saying, well, you know, I'm not doing anything actually to grow my business. But what you just said that's what you do to grow your business. The things that have been my challenges in the growth phase of the business is how do I stop becoming the block for moving forward? Yeah. Putting processes in place, automation, people. These are things that I actually was very resistant to because for me, my biggest fear was relinquishing control. And I don't know if that's something you relate to. That was definitely a big fear of mine. And not having the money to pay these people to do things. And once I realized that it wasn't going to cost me all of my money to do it, and it was actually a very palatable amount, I was like, oh, this is so smart. Why didn't I do this <laughs> forever ago? But yeah, I, I'm i kind of a perfectionist with certain things. And mm-hmm. I want the site to have a certain tone to it. And I want to present professionally. And so it was really scary for me to say, okay, you take over the blog, even though I'm a complete grammar freak, you know, and there were growing pains for sure. Like I had to get on the same page with the people that I hired to run all of the content creation. And that took a while. And luckily they've, one of them has stayed with me for years. And so it's really Mm -hmm. nice now. And I found personally that Patience and trust were kind of like the biggest things that I needed to work on because like in the beginning, when I first started hiring people, I would basically like just micromanage them like on support team, show me what you're sending the customer before you send it, right? <laughs> like, so I can make sure that it's whatever. But then I realized at a certain point, like, okay, doing that is basically keeping these people from thinking they can make their own decisions. It's almost as if I didn't even hire anybody. 
right? It, it's like I did and I was paying them, but I wasn't allowing them to grow into a resource yeah. and make mistakes because that's how I learned too. And so I wasn't allowing people to learn from their own experience, which is essential, I think. For sure. I totally agree with you. And most of the time when something goes up on my site or my social media, I don't even know about it because I trust them so much. Right. But then there are big things that I still have oversight with because it, it just makes me feel more comfortable like with big things that we put out. But it is nice to not, first of all, for me, because I, I don't like social media. I don't like being on it. I don't like taking my time to do it. And so right. to just not have to even think about that is incredible. Yeah, I'm the same way. I mean, I have an Instagram account, but somebody else puts stuff on it for me. Right. Um, like, this is what Eric did today. And people will tell me outside of social media, like, oh, I saw a thing on Instagram. Oh, let me look. I haven't seen it. <laughs> right? Uh, yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> what did I yeah, do that funny. day? Yeah, in Spain, I was like, I'm going to try to be on social media more. And I made like two stories and it was exhausting. And I, <laughs> I haven't done one since. I know. It's so yeah. bad. Yeah, I got into my head like this summer for like six weeks that I was going to try social media and I did and it was whatever. And I found more than anything for me personally, it was just distracting. Yeah. It's like trying to go out in a rainstorm and not get wet. It's impossible. Like you yeah. go, you put yourself in that environment and there's just so much stuff going on and flying. And also the whole thing where like Instagram totally listens to your conversations and shows you ads based on what you're talking about. Which honestly, sometimes I really appreciate. Like last <laughs> night I was looking for a bed frame yeah. and it it gave me exactly what I wanted. So yes, I don't like the idea of it, but sometimes it's convenient. But I think that your analogy of going in a rainstorm and not wanting to get wet is, is really, you're full of good analogies today. Thanks. Yeah. And I think that some people think of it as like an art form and that's why those people are really good at it. But honestly, I think that it does hold me back a little bit that I'm not involved in that part of things very much because I can't brainstorm with these people and give them good ideas for how we can grow the business using social media. Like I can look it up and give them ideas, but I feel like that is maybe a little bit of a, like a downfall of being a 40 something person who just doesn't mm -hmm. care that much about it. But I don't know. No, I, I agree with you. And I run into that same thing too. I'm like, I question like, should I even be the CEO of this company? Because there's so many things I don't know about. But the thing is, I'm coming more to the point where I'm realizing that it's just about driving the vision and making sure, like my job is to keep the thing going, make sure that everybody who decided to be a part of it, whether they're uh, team members or customers, et cetera, that nothing is done that can jeopardize their trust in the company. But in terms of like growth, we talked about Rich Dad Poor Dad, didn't we? last time? Probably a little bit. Okay. But it's like from that book, like basically one of his things was like for his rich dad, the thing that he observed that really changed his life was like, oh, like he just surrounds himself with really smart people. Right. So it's not that yeah. he knows everything that everybody else knows. It's that creating the team is really the legacy is the thing that drives the company forward. And, and it's so challenging. It's just one of those things that's just its own thing. Yeah, I mean, we can compare ourselves narcissistically to like Steve Jobs in this moment because he certainly didn't know how to make the things that Apple made, sure. but he just told people what to do and they did a good job and made sure that they did a good job. So I guess that's what we're doing. 
Yeah. And also I think providing the example energetically, like the enthusiasm, because I've also been through phases of memory mouse was like, don't talk to me. Nobody talked to me about memory mouse. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah, totally. and that flows down, that trickles down through everybody. Mm-hmm. So the critical thing looking back for me is like the cycle of burnout. Basically I was doing the cycle of burnout. Like I would get burnout out to disappear. I'd come back, work, get burnout, disappear. Right. That is not sustainable and creates all sorts of problems. So bringing in people, building the teams, uh, learning to work with those teams and encourage people to come into their own. Like I, I think one of the major things I appreciate these days is that the good ideas aren't just coming from me. Mm-hmm. Other people are enthusiastic about Member Mouse internally and come up with great ideas. And I'm and I kind of like an outsider look at what gets put on the blog or something else that happens. I'm like, oh, that was awesome. Mm-hmm. It's great not to have to be a part of everything, which is weird because coming from a place where originally I was like afraid not to be a part of everything. Mm-hmm. I know. Yeah. You get used to it. But, you know, you are doing some pretty cool things on your site. I mean, I poked around on there and specifically talking about getting into now, you know, content strategies, retention and stuff. Everything, not all of the products you're offering on your site are subscription products. You have some training programs that are one-time purchases. So I'm wondering if you know, like, how does this play out in your business? Do most people sign up for your ongoing subscriptions and then buy standalone products? Or do your customers typically start with one of your courses and then progress to a subscription? I think that a lot of people start with uh, like an ebook purchase and they're Mm -hmm. like, let's try these guys out. And then they'll have some success with it. And then they'll be like, okay, I'll, I'll do more of a subscription program. And then they'll jump on one of our it's like a training program for either root climbers or boulders, which means nothing to most of your audience, but it's just different kinds of climbing. Sure. And so then they're more of like a member of our community where they're paying us every month and they're doing our program and they're either getting better or, or not <laughs> at which point they'll stop. But, but a lot of times people will also start with a subscription program and they'll be like, I actually want to focus a lot on my fingers right now, on my finger strength right now. So they'll buy a Mm. finger strength program or they'll be like, you know, I need more individual help. And so they'll either contact me for nutrition stuff because that's sort of low hanging fruit for climbers to just change our diets up a little, or they'll do more training with my trainer, Matt Pincus, where he does online training with climbers around the world. And so it, it kind of can go in a lot of different ways, but we also have had people on the subscription program for years now and they just do it mm. every week. You know, it's amazing to me. That's great. So it's kind of all over the place and it's nice that they had, and that's what I want. I wanted people to have options, like a lot of options. Yeah. And I'm going to read a quote from the last conversation that we had, okay. um, which I think is related to this because, you, you know, last time we were talking about, you were saying how you were hesitant about placing sales offers across your site. You know, you said we could be doing a better job at this. I don't like to be in your face about things. I put links in the sidebars at the bottom of the blog. I have banners. We mention it in the podcast sometimes. And I used to take ad sponsors for the podcast and I realized it was worth more to me to fill those slots for myself. Is this still something that's true for you? Yeah. It is. Okay. I, I don't know that I'm ever going to get over that unless I told somebody to take over for me mm-hmm. and then they started doing it. It's just not part of my 
personality. I mean, you can even see in the way that I answer questions, I'm not a long-winded person. I don't like to take up that much space in the world, which is something I'm working on in therapy, but it carries over through into my business. And I think that that is good for my community. In other communities, it was totally different. Like in the paleo world, Mm -hmm. people are more okay with that. Yeah. They talk a lot. (laughs) But also people are like, oh, I don't know what it is about climbers, but they're cynical and very discerning and skeptical and a a bunch of different things that don't bode well for a business really. Well, I know a positive spin on it. What? From my perspective, I've done maybe about five days of climbing. Uh And the thing that I learned the most is that energy conservation is a critical component of success. Mm -hmm. Like I was trying to muscle through the climbing, but just because you make it to the top doesn't mean that's success because there's nowhere you can go from there. So to me, speech is one of the biggest expenditures of energy. If you can accomplish more and less, to me, that's a good thing. Yeah. Right. So I think that's how I feel about it. Like if people are looking for a program and they want, and they know that they want help when they come to our site, they're going to find it. That's what I think. That's how I feel. Yeah. And And if they don't want it, I don't want them. I don't want to be screaming in their faces. Yeah. But I, I also think that you do a really good job on your site, even with that filter where you're not trying to push things in people's face, you do a good job of repurposing your content. For example, you do your podcasts, you have somebody do a transcription, but then you create a transcript highlight as a blog post. Mm, yeah. And within that, I've, I've seen in some of your transcript highlights, you know, in the mid part of the thing where you're giving people this content, you will put a relevant ad for one of your programs that are related to maybe what's being talked about in the podcast. So that's an amazing strategy. Yeah, that's kind of something... I think that what I'm missing right now is actually putting in a minute ad for myself in the middle of each of the podcasts, but putting in little advertisements here and there on the blog posts about the transcript highlights or whatever, that's like low hanging fruit that I didn't even realize that I could be doing until recently. Yeah. And that reminds me because I think we forgot to do it in the last couple <laughs> um, blog posts. But but it would, you know, I think that it's really effective and pretty subtle if you do it right. You have a captive audience at that point. Sure. If they've made it that far. Yeah. Yeah. In the beginning of the podcast, they a lot of times will fast forward. At the end, they will just skip the whole end, you know, the outro. Right. But in the middle of the episode, that's like prime real estate, I think. And so that's what I'm avoiding doing right now because I don't. So all these things are things that I probably could be doing. But I will say that uh, for some reason... Recently, I started to get a lot more nutrition clients. Mm -hmm. And I think it came at the same time that I changed how I start my podcast. And I started by very subtly saying, welcome to the Training Beta Podcast. I just want to remind you that the Training Beta Podcast is an offshoot of the site that I created called trainingbeta.com where we blah, 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 blah. Because I heard somebody else do that in a podcast. And I was like, that's really nice. Like it's It's just a friendly reminder. And that's what I want people to know. And I think that we had a couple of our best months, you know, since I started doing that. And so that's working (laughs) and it doesn't feel too over the top for me. 
to do that. And that's a really good point because part of the, the thing about the podcast is, yeah, it's fun to do them. But the other part of, of doing it is strategically, we want them to be tools that guide people back to our catalog, right? Yeah. Of what we do and what supports us being able to do podcasts. So yeah, I think that's a really nice thing to do. You may hear maybe a change in our intros for this. <laughs> yeah, right. I know. It's just like, yeah. <laughs> it was this like random English. Like I said, I'm a grammar freak and this was like a the history of the English language podcast guy. I was like, oh, this is so nerdy and, and I love it. <laughs> yeah, that is. That sounds like something that maybe if I'm having trouble sleeping. I yes, totally. <laughs> yes. So how are you approaching content th- these days? Because, you know, we talked about how a big thing for you right now, and and it's kind of like coming to a level of success for you in terms of why you created this business is for the flexibility so you can take trips, continue your follow your passion of climbing. You still need to um, make sure you're keeping an eye on the business. Now, in terms of creating content, you do have subscription courses. Mm-hmm. How do you approach creating new content for these paid programs. Are you doing it every week? Um, is that again, something that your team is wholly responsible for? Uh, no. Well, in the beginning we had a trainer who worked for us and he, he would update those every week, but once we, so they get three workouts every week. And once we reach week 74 ish on each of them, we actually stopped creating new content. And we just recycled it. So they once they get to week 74, they just start over, which makes sense in a cyclical training program like that. So we didn't feel out of integrity doing that because you can't just always do new things. So that was really convenient for us. And that's how it's been for the past since 2015 or something. So for four years, we've been running on these programs that are already made. So we have to do nothing with them which is very convenient for all of us. So we can focus on other things. That's what we do with that. But I will say that we are working on new programs because these programs aren't exactly in line with my philosophies now and my trainer's philosophies now, who is a different trainer than who originally built these training programs. And so we're creating new programs and it's hard because having a backend that works as a, platform basically i mean you know what it is to build a platform it's hard and mm-hmm. my husband is a a software engineer and so he's designing it but that takes time when you also have a full-time job to work what platform exactly are you designing so it's just like a platform for a consumer to get their workouts to see their workouts so he has to build a ui and he has to like have timers on there and ways to track progress right. and all those things all the things that we're missing from our current platform, which he also right. built, but it's very simple. And so we're working on that and it's taking time. Yeah, that's another good example of the challenges that face uh, businesses in the growth period, you know, mm-hmm. because naturally we start at a place and wherever we start, we are going to continue to grow personally. And also we're going to be getting feedback. So at some point we have to take where we are and what feedback we've gotten and reincorporate that into the business, which usually ends up being a, a large investment of some kind. Yes. And so those are perfect challenges and how you're handling them is by what you just explained. You know, you're investing uh, to putting money back into the business to build this new platform to address some of the feedback you've gotten, some of the personal feelings you have about it. 
mm-hmm. to release a product that's more in line with what you think the true value is that you want to offer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's so crazy cool. because in three years, there'll be new science about training and we'll probably want to change things again. But luckily yeah. with this platform that he's building, it'll be much easier to do that. It's hard like keeping up and and making everybody happy because if we were to build something that that would be like very user-friendly, all of the things, has an, a phone app and all that, and pay somebody to do that, it would, it would be upwards of $100,000. And as a small business owner, I definitely don't have that. And I don't want to take out loans, sure. you know? Yeah. And some businesses do. Like, that's just how businesses work. But for me, I'm like, no, we can we can bootstrap this together. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. that's just a choice, I guess. It's a personality type. And I 100% understand it because I'm the same way. It's if you, as soon as you borrow money, especially an amount of money that's a large amount, you now, not only do you have customers who you have to answer to, now you have money people you have to answer to. Yeah. And that changes the whole equation in terms of why you started a business. Yeah. Um, and what you want to focus on. Totally. So, Especially for a person whose main goal in life is to have freedom, like all of the freedom. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to have strings. I don't attach to, to anybody. So yeah. Yeah. Like Pinocchio. Yeah. <laughs> so when do you think that that's going to be coming out? And I mean, I guess it's not so much important when, but when that does come out, do you see that there are additional things where you'll need to focus on in the business in terms of maybe will you need to hire new people? Do you need to grow revenues to a certain point to support growing your team? I don't think so. No, Mm -hmm. that's kind of the plan is it'll be easier to plug things into and maintain than the old system was even. And if anything, we could bring more trainers on and they could build programs that are subscription based for other programs. So we'll have Matt's program. And then with this platform, we can have as many trainers on there as we want and sell as many programs as we want. So it'd be sort of like the running site where you can get a plan from like 50 different trainers. And so that's kind of where we're going with it. And uh, maybe we'd we'd need a little bit more support help and Mm -hmm. that's fine. I can just hire somebody else if it gets to the point where we're making more money doing that. But I don't foresee any reason why we would need to expand to accommodate this. Yeah. Well, that, that's a really intelligent strategy, like basically crowdsourcing in a sense. I mean, you would handpick these people to create content, but your, your contribution is you're creating the the distribution platform for different people. Mm -hmm. And then you would be increasing your cat by that sole investment, you increase your catalog by giving the opportunity to other trainers to come to you. And it's a win-win because that gets you more content without having to do the work. That gets them a place to distribute their content without having to build the site or the platform. Exactly. So yeah, that sounds really cool. But then other ways that we're growing are I'm actually thinking about bringing somebody. So we're kind of a team in that I do nutrition, Matt does the training, and I'm going to bring somebody else on to do sports psychology with people. But that doesn't really have anything to do with the membership site. We could probably do things with that where people are members of like a nutrition group. And I've definitely thought about that. 
where they get content, like fresh content every month, for sure, like building a program like that. And people could do the same thing with sports psychology. Mm-hmm. So the possibilities are pretty limitless with what we could do with a subscription program. But those are the kinds of things that we're thinking about right now. That's cool. So that that's an interesting point about the sports psychology thing. And I, I think also another great, it's a... Uh, an outcome of another great practice of a growing business, which is to make sure that you continue to listen to your audience. Because a lot of times they're the ones who are going to be telling you where the opportunities are for you. So what are the primary ways that you're getting this feedback from your customers about what they want, what channels? More than, I'm sure you understand this, but more often than not, I get feedback about what people don't want from me. Mm. And Ironically, it's me. They don't want me to voice my opinion very much. That's not true. Sometimes when I write blog posts, it's fine, but on the podcast at least. So I'll get I'll get emails, I'll get comments on posts, I'll get social media comments. And then we also have like a training group on Facebook and we have like 7,000 people in there or something at this point and they're there are a lot of really active people in there. It was very surprising to me how big it got. So I can see like what they're looking for in training programs. And then I also will do questionnaires with my audience. So I'll send it out to my email list. I'll put it on that group. I'll put it on all of our social media. And that's been super helpful because people will actually be honest about like what they want in a training program and what they want from us. And so those are kind of the ways that I hear from people. Right. How did you take that? I mean, I don't get what that means when somebody says they don't want to hear your opinions when it's your podcast. What does that actually mean? (laughs) It means it's really funny, right? It just means there have been a couple episodes where I inserted my own opinions more than I usually do. Uh Like, for instance, about like crag ethics and how people are are behaving at climbing areas. And I have a Uh real strong opinion about that. And I let myself go a little bit on one of the episodes and I got a lot of messages where it was like, she, she went a little too far. This was sort of a, yeah, people just didn't like that, but ranting, ranting. Y- yeah. They, they thought I was ranting. And so mm. that lets me know that yes, yeah, some people probably appreciated it. And I did get some messages like that, but, but also like my brand is that I am more of a vessel for other people. Like I am mm. more of a, carrier for other people's information. And that's fine with me. Yeah. I mean, that, that that's actually another thing that I can resonate with. I mean, I, it's not necessarily about not sharing your opinion. It's like, it's just that, like you said, whatever comes through you has to check through your own self, but also check through the other things that you represent. Right. So it's more about discernment in terms of how to put something forward PR basically. It's yeah. politic because you know, whenever we say something, especially if there's a wider audience, first of all, there's always going to be a group of people who aren't going to like it. Yeah. And that just has to be a given. My rule of thumb is like I've learned to kind of like check in with myself emotionally, how I'm feeling in a moment. And if I'm feeling triggered and emotional, then I'm pretty sure that whatever I'm going to be saying is not going to, you know, go well. That's a really good litmus test. There can't be true clarity in those moments. Yeah, you're right. And that's the whole thing. I think that's why people do listen to my podcast and 
maybe steer away from other podcasts because mm-hmm. they resonate with how neutral I am with most of my guests. And I'm just like asking the questions that they would have asked themselves. And I'm not talking about myself usually. And so I have to be okay with that and like kind of honor and respect that. And that goes for every outlet that we have on the site. Like, I feel like our job, our role in our community is to be neutral and fair mm-hmm. and yep. base our opinions on facts. And that's a cool place to be because a lot of websites about climbing become like these troll fests where people are just on there commenting and saying really stupid stuff. And we don't have that at all on our site, which I, I'm really proud of that because I feel like we must have built something that is, that has integrity. So what do you attribute? Because I know that that for any of us who have sites or even YouTube channels where we open up our content to comment, that's an issue, right? So what do you see the reasons are on your site that that kind of handle self-governance itself? I think a lot of times what we put on our site is me based, not me personally, but it's like people will will hire writers to talk about their personal experience with what worked for them or what works for them with their clients. And um, it's not like preachy at all. And it's definitely not offensive at all. It's just information being disseminated. And even when I write articles, it's this is what I did for me and this is what worked for me and this is what I think about it. I see. And so it's never like, this is what you should do, but this is information right, right. or whatever. And we make that very clear. So it's a communication style in terms of how you're getting the information out there. Yeah. And I think people, some people at least appreciate that. I appreciate that for sure because none of us like to feel like we're being told what to do. Yeah, we all think we know. <laughs> yeah. Now, you have the opportunity to choose when you work and when you climb. How do you determine that? Is it something that you have a strategy for or is it just kind of like, you know, whatever happens? Oh, it's definitely not whatever happens, but there is some flexibility built in. Like every Wednesday-ish, I like to do a podcast. Every Monday, I like to check in and get caught up every, you know, like I have a basic outline of what I want my weeks to look like. And then there are some flex days in there where if I get a partner and it's good weather, I can go climbing Mm -hmm. or like even a half day. And sometimes I'm just like, I don't want yesterday, for instance, I went to bed late. I had been training and climbing a lot. I was, you know, whatever. I just didn't set an alarm and I woke up at 1030. Like, I wasn't (laughs) expecting to do that. But the reason I let myself do it was I had nothing on my schedule that day. And I, I knew I needed the rest and I gave it to myself. And, and it's funny because like, I feel a little bit shameful even saying that I slept until 1030. But then I think about it and I, I preach this to my clients. I really think that we all need more sleep. And when I can give it to myself, I'm going to do that. And I think it's really important. And I feel super, super lucky that I get to. So it's kind of like that. I'm sort of on a schedule. And then when I have time, sometimes I'll just take a day off to go do errands or whatever. And that's really freeing and liberating for me. Yeah, that's nice. So when is your next um, climbing outing? Do you have anything scheduled for the fourth? My husband is injured, so we're not going to go climbing anywhere, but I'm just going to climb around here. And then 
I get to go to Wyoming for a couple of days to climb the week after. And then we're kind of talking about uh, planning a trip to Thailand in the winter. So that would Ooh. be like a three week month type thing. That would be really fun. And then I'm going to go to Kentucky again in um, November because that's pretty much my favorite place to climb. Nice. And I'll probably go for about a month. So, yeah. Well, I hope your husband heals quickly. Thanks. Gets back to work on that platform. Yeah. Well, it's cool. It's giving him more time to work on it. It's good for me. (laughs) Good. Silver lining. Yeah, right. But thanks so much for coming back on. I really appreciate it. And um, it was good catching up with you. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. And it was really good catch. I feel like we're sort of kindred spirits. So it's very easy to talk to you. Yeah, Yeah. It's like we're kind of talking to ourselves a little bit. Yeah, right. Yes, Yes. Yes, I already know that. Yes. Uh, Just as a final thing, people probably already know this already, but you know, if you could just say where people can learn more about what you're doing um, and how to get in touch with you um, if they're interested. My website is training beta, like B-E-T-A. And that's because beta in climbing means information. So if you're wondering, so it's trainingbeta.com. And then we're at training beta on social media. Beta in the computer world means kind of like right. a test phase, I know. Yeah. which so is what like I thought. Kind of con- I was like, uh. yeah, you got to be in the know. <laughs> exactly. No, you do. That's definitely true with your stuff. I mean, the 5.1, whatever, and 8.A, Z, you know, like yeah. there's a lot <laughs> yeah, of yeah. technical jargon that goes along with your. Yeah, it's really niche for sure. It's really niche. Like I'll put things on social media and my family's like, I have no idea what you just said, but congratulations, you know. <laughs> Good job with that, Neil. That's, Good job. that's great. Really Keep strong. going. <laughs> yeah, totally. Thank you so much for listening to this entire episode. I appreciate you being here and sincerely hope you got value out of the conversation Neely and I had. Many thanks to Neely for coming back on the show and getting real about what it takes to succeed as an entrepreneur and build a life you love. If you haven't already listened to the first episode I recorded with Neely, be sure to go back and listen to it. You can find that episode at subscriptionentrepreneur.com slash 105. In it, Neely reveals how she first started her business, the steps she took to build an engaged community that converts into paying members, and how she ultimately made the business profitable. A lot of great information here. For more interviews with successful entrepreneurs, experts, and authors, be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or Stitcher. For the complete show notes, a transcript, and a link to all the resources we mentioned in this episode, please visit subscriptionentrepreneur.com slash 126. We even put a few photos of Neely climbing what we can only guess is a 5.12b. We've got a little bit of a surprise for you in store for the next episode of the podcast, and I don't want to spoil anything for you, so I guess you'll just have to tune in to hear for yourself. See you then.